This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, Esteban Rubens of NetApp and Jason Klotzer of Google drop by to talk about how Google Cloud and NetApp Storage are getting the most out of enterprise medical imaging workloads. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipor. Zipor. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the studio and with me today I have a couple of special guests to talk to us about imaging and healthcare as well as the cloud. Uh, and to do that today, uh, first of all, I have Esteban Rubens from NetApp. So Esteban, if people are not familiar with you, what do you do and how do we reach you? Hey, Justin. Thank you. I'm part of the healthcare team at NetApp. I cover cloud and AI in healthcare, which for us is providers, payers, and life sciences. And uh, you can reach me on email at esteban.rubens at netapp.com or LinkedIn. All right. Excellent. Also with us today from Google, Jason Klotzer is here. So Jason, what do you do and how do we reach you? Hey, everybody. Uh, so, yeah, J- name is Jason Klotzer. I work for Google Cloud. Uh, specifically, I'm in the healthcare and life sciences vertical within Google Cloud. And even more specifically, I work on imaging related projects. So anything within the medical imaging space, payers, providers, et cetera, um, pharma, medtech, that, that is what I do for Google Cloud and trying to basically come up with solutions that work well for, for our customers. You can reach me at jklotzer at google.com, or you can reach me on LinkedIn as well. All right, excellent. And as we hinted, uh, we'll be talking about uh, healthcare and imaging as well as Google Cloud. But to start off with, I just want to kind of level set and, and talk about Google Cloud itself. So Jason, um, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory that Google Cloud is a cloud instance that Google hosts. But can you give us a little more color into what Google Cloud can do and, and how people can consume it? Sure, Justin. So, I mean, Google Cloud is one of your massive hyperscalers, as as many people hear about it. Um, but I think that one of the main things that sets us apart is the industry approach that we have within the services that we offer. Um, I mean, naturally, Google has been known for, you know, open source products that have come out like TensorFlow and Kubernetes that we kind of you know put out into the ether so others can kind of learn from from what we've learned. Um, but I think the industry approach that's really coming about and becoming very popular nowadays is where we differentiate ourselves, whether it be in the finance district or where we're talking about today, healthcare, uh, having services that are really standardized within those domains is really really what sets us apart. So TLDR is we try to approach customers with a managed offering uh, where they don't have to worry about their own scale. They don't have to worry about the availability of data and these sort of traditional on-prem concerns. Um, And we kind of encapsulate into domain-centric services that they can leverage as as close as possible to the way they leverage right now. Uh, That's what we do. Yeah, and, and like any cloud provider, you're offering things like compute and storage and services as a service, right? So applications as a service, platforms as a service, and you're managing it on your end so that end users don't have to worry about it. They can just consume the resources and then you know basically rent them out and put them back. Yep, that's exactly right. 
So with that said, I mean, NetApp has a definite presence within multiple cloud providers as well as Google. So Esteban, can you kind of give us a little insight into that relationship with NetApp and Google Cloud? Absolutely. Our main collaboration revolves around data storage and management. Obviously, that's what NetApp is well known for. And the main idea here is taking ONTAP, which is the product that is at the core of a lot of what NetApp does and making it available as a service in the Google Cloud. So the same ONTAP that people are used to on-prem for data storage and management is available in the Google Cloud. And the idea is that it's kind of the embodiment of the uh, data fabric concept of being able to seamlessly move data from edge to core to cloud within the same environment. And again, the, the keyword there is seamless. So we want to add a layer to the huge amount of offerings that are within Google Cloud with the stuff that uh, we add value to, right? Which is basically file storage and block storage. And, and particularly as we talk about enterprise imaging in healthcare, it's file storage because that's a big part of imaging. You've mentioned imaging and healthcare. Uh, can you get, go into a little more detail about what exactly we're talking about with imaging? Because I mean, imaging can cover a lot of different things. What does it mean in this context? Yeah, so Jason and I both have a history in in what you can call medical imaging or enterprise imaging. So Jason, please jump in whenever you want. The, the idea here is, what used to be in the domain of radiology and cardiology has really exploded throughout healthcare. It's very hard to find a domain within healthcare, a specialty that doesn't use imaging in some way. We've gone from x-ray-based imaging, like your, your standard x-rays you know, for chest or you know extremities or what have you, to uh, tomography, like CAT scan, mammography, ultrasound, uh, MRIs, right? Using uh, basically a magnetic field to knock atoms off their axis and with the radio signals, reconstruct an image. All of that still holds true. Additionally, we have what some people like to call visible light imaging. It's like the, the standard photography and video that now you see if you get an endoscopy, there's going to be video and images. If you go to the dermatologist, they may take a picture of a mole or some other uh, feature that they want to study. In uh, ophthalmology, pathology, right, is, is now the, the big uh, hot area for imaging that is not really digitized yet and is starting to, to go in that direction, moving from just having glass slides to digitizing those slides and making those pathology images available for collaboration and analysis, maybe running them through some AI algorithms. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So that's why people now talk about enterprise imaging within healthcare to denote that it's really the collection of all imaging and the idea of how do you manage all that data? It's a lot of data. Some, some estimates are between 80 and 90% of all healthcare data is imaging related. So it's a lot of data that has to be stored, managed, secured, has to be made available to the people who use it to do patient care, to uh, interpret the images and dictate reports. It, it is a really huge booming field uh, globally. It's not just in the US and 
and Europe, it's everywhere. I'm not going to go through the gamut of modalities <laughs> to that extent because we'll probably be here for a long time. Um, right. But I, I, I think some of the points I want to make about enterprise imaging, um, similar to, to what Esteban was saying, was how it's really taking off right now. Um, you know, enterprise imaging, you just kind of derive from the two words. I mean, it's imaging within the enterprise domain. So um, think about it as a hospital or multiple hospitals, more likely with multiple outpatient imaging centers, um, multiple different ways in which imaging is acquired within each one of these and all the workflow around, you know, the acquisition, the interpretation, and even downstream functions of the imaging data. Um, so that, that means that you have a, a lot of network, a lot of storage, a lot of compute, um, and a lot of business applications kind of interfacing with one another, and a lot of actors, you know, actually working with that data. Um, that, that I would say is kind of the encapsulation of enterprise imaging. Um, and I also, you know, think just giving that sort of a description on how vast it is right now, um, that's really where these new sort of architectural tools, which is what I kind of consider cloud to be, quite honestly, that's where it becomes really, really interesting. Um, and one other, one other just comment here um, on the storage side. Naturally, a lot of these imaging um, modalities or imaging devices are becoming better and better as well. Um, Esteban mentioned uh, tomosynthesis, for instance, in the mammography space. Uh, inherently, because they're getting so much better, the data size itself is also becoming much larger. And the resources that you require to process this sort of data in a similar time frame to what a you know radiologist or a mammographer more specifically would expect, those become more intensive as well. Look at CT or MR, you know, they keep on pushing out more and more slices with higher and higher resolution. Digital, I mean, similar to what Esteban was saying, you've got ophthalmology, you know, dermatology, um, digital pathology, you know, even dentistry. All of these spaces are looking at what's, what, what has happened classically in enterprise imaging. And they're kind of saying, you know, we want to do that as well. We want to be able to have that sort of uh, capability to share this information, you know, across physical locations to be able to do analysis with this, this data. Um, and it all makes sense, quite honestly. So I, I think there are a lot of opportunities within that domain. And more crisply, it also points to the fact that this massive amount of data really uh, needs to have standardization around it. Um, and, and I think that's where a lot of the kind of things that we're going to talk about uh, come into play. Yeah. And one more comment in terms of cloud. Think about most healthcare organizations in the majority of the world have been digital for maybe about 20 years, you know, give or take. There's a huge amount of archive data that used to be considered maybe a liability. And, and people used to talk about, well, when are going to be able to delete some of these images uh, as soon as maybe regulations allow us. And in the last few years, I think that's drastically changed because there's more and more recognition that there's a lot of value in those images for patient care, for uh, clinicians that can only be unlocked if you do further analysis. So this uh, 
of huge mass of historical images that used to be perceived as not very useful is now a goldmine. So the, the question is, how do you use it properly? How do you alleviate some of that footprint that exists on-prem and people maybe don't want to have on-prem while still keeping the images available and in a place in which that analysis can take place in a uh, in a reasonable way in terms of performance. And if you think about what cloud does, that uh, ability to elastically consume huge amounts of resources, whether it's computer storage, that's exactly the use case. So that's why there's such a good fit between imaging where it's at today in 2022 and where where cloud is. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, it, it's it's interesting, the state of imaging as it is now, and you look 10, 15 years ago, it, it, precisely to your point, Esteban, most imaging organizations back then were talking about what they would refer to as imaging lifecycle management, or, or more specifically, how to uh, archive out um, imaging data that's no longer necessary for clinical diagnosis to be able to save on, you know, on-prem costs. Um, but now, I, I'll be honest, a lot of those who are contemplating that sort of a, uh, a scenario probably haven't implemented anything, um, maybe because retention rules were so complicated for them. Right. Um, yeah. that now they're actually happy they haven't implemented anything for it because now they can actually leverage that massive amount of data for improving their workflows, quite honestly, um, which is where AI comes into play. Um, so yeah, I 100% agree with that perspective. Yeah, sizes of images have really exploded over the course of the last you know decade or 20 years, right? I mean, we're looking at 100K images all the way up to like now 10 gig, 20 gig images, right? Like they're they're massive. The megapixels are much higher. The resolution is much better. Um, so the other issue is that that data kind of stays in place for a while. Maybe it doesn't get accessed for a while. So now you've got all this expensive storage on site and you're powering it and you're cooling it and you're not really using it. So you got to figure out a cheaper way to, to handle that. And that, that's also where the cloud comes in as well is, is the archived tiers. Right. And, you know, think about pathology. If you think about the, the very standard pathology slides that, that's digitized, we're talking about gigapixels. So it, it's and, and this is just one slide, whereas in a case, you may have multiple sides and you're going to have thousands and thousands of cases. And certainly in the larger institutions, it's tens of thousands or, or more. So the amount of storage that you need really grows very, very quickly. And on top of that, another maybe complicating factor is that these images are already compressed, right? Whether it's JPEG, JPEG 2000, PNG, there's some format that is going to introduce some kind of either compression or uh, if it's not compression, it's going to be some kind of the most you can do, right, to improve the storage of those images. So the standard approach of saying, well, we're going to just apply more compression later on doesn't quite apply. So scale is really important, right? Scale uh, and, and the ability to move data very uh, quickly and easily, because sometimes you need that data back. So you don't want to have that data offline or even near line in the sense that it could take a while, because as enterprise imaging progresses, I'm sure this is going to be addressed, but in the majority of cases, the applications are still very sensitive to latency, and they don't have a clear idea that maybe 
if you want to really take advantage of something that's much cheaper, it may take a minute or 30 seconds or five minutes or whatever the case may be, you're going to get a timeout. So it's very important on the application side that you know, if you need to pull an image that's 10 years old for whatever reason, right? It could be because uh, there's a legitimate patient care need or there's a medical legal requirement or there's a research requirement. We don't really know. You have to be able to say, I want this image and get it back without going into a complicated uh, workflow that is based on interruptions and is going to throw errors in the application because you're not going to need one image. You're going to need millions of images. So it's very important to be able to do this very seamless uh, scaling and then also choose whether the compute that you're going to use to display, process, or do anything with those images is going to be in your data center on-prem or in the cloud. So it's really about this hybrid idea that it's going to be spanning the customer's premises and the cloud and that's what makes the most sense for most people. Yeah, um, so the kind of architecture Esteban is describing right now, this hybrid architecture is what I would say is, is most popular within the enterprise imaging domain right now, especially for customers who are looking to leverage cl cloud resources. Um, I, I would say that purely cloud based diagnostic tools are not the norm yet, um, that it absolutely is more along the lines of having traditional clinical applications interfacing with a cache on-prem uh, for fast access, for, for access to data that's more in proximity to the diagnostic sort of, you know, scenario, um, and that all of the data that may not be necessary for maybe the patients that are being interpreted that day or being seen that day, that data is likely going to be um, pushed over to more elastic, you know, storage and compute environments like a cloud provider. Uh, that's that's a very very typical hybrid architecture nowadays that that we're seeing, um, which actually has multiple benefits, right? Um, I mean, if you look at it from a secondary use standpoint, um, you likely don't want to run your ML, um, you know, training. Um, or maybe even your, your infer inference and prediction workloads, you know, on-prem. You may not want to have to deploy all that hardware on-prem and maintain it, which is why a lot of those workloads, if you have uh, a majority of your cloud in, in hyperscaler, like in Google Cloud, for instance, running those workloads, you know, around ML uh, is, is more natural, I would say. So it kind of fits well together from from an architectural standpoint as well. Yeah, yeah, from the point of view of not reinventing the wheel, right? Because a lot of people find it kind of overwhelming. You maybe know the data science, but then you have to build all these environments and maybe compile or configure some open source stuff, whereas having access to those environments ready-made, ready that's what people want because they want to get to whatever problem they're trying to tackle and not have to figure out how they get started and maybe invest months, right? Or weeks or months to get to the point of being able to start. So that's certainly one of the values that we see in our relationship with Google Cloud, that they already have all of this 
set up, right? So you go to your console, you just spin it up and there, there it is. And then you go choose your data set and you can start analyzing your data and getting insights. I, I've seen some of the demos and they're actually pretty cool in that regard. Yeah, so the the service I, I think you're referring to, Esteban, is the healthcare API, um, where we have a, a DICOM store, a HL7v2 store, and a Fire store. And as I was mentioning earlier, you know, a focus around standardization. This is really where I think you know uh, we we kind of you know put put our opinion on on the table, if, if you will. Um, that we absolutely believe that standardization around these services is, is the direction. Um, it definitely fosters interoperability between business applications. Um, and it also allows us to more easily integrate within that domain. Um, you know, we don't need customers to implement some proprietary anything. Um, it just allows them to pick it up and start using it, which is really phenomenal, quite honestly. Um, just bringing back to the thought of just enterprise imaging as a whole and how this sort of hybrid architecture fits in, um, specifically within the enterprise imaging domain, uh, larger sort of partakers within that domain would typically break up their systems in a way where uh, you might have a PAX, which is a picture archive and communication system, basically the closest point to clinical care when it comes to diagnostic interpretation. Um, and then you would have a vendor neutral archive, which is really your aggregation point for all of your imaging data across your enterprise imaging uh, domain. Um, the reason I'm kind of explaining this is because that sort of a enterprise imaging architectural pattern fits very well when you lay it on top of what's available in a hybrid architecture nowadays between your on-prem sort of fast access, you know, cache kind of a hardware and your hyperscaler availability within like a Google Cloud provider um, as an architectural pattern. So basically on-prem, um, I would say that the equivalent would be your multiple pack systems for your immediate clinical care and then having the aggregation be a VNA, which could likely live in a cloud provider, since that's not where your, your clinicians are directly accessing data in most cases. And it can also foster secondary usage, uh, whether it be machine learning, uh, analytics, and things like that. I think the, the architectural patterns fit very well to, to what we see now. What about other use cases of cloud and enterprise imaging that are more uh, mundane maybe, but no less important, like image uh, sharing, right? And data protection from, we see now an explosion of attacks on healthcare institutions. You read about it every day, ransomware and other attacks. And so the idea that you can have copies of your images safe and you can keep working or go back to work, even if you are targeted. And then, yeah, maybe image sharing in the sense of, well, maybe as a patient, and I think anybody who's been a patient in the last few years and has had any imaging, you know, that it can be a pain to get your images and maybe you get a, a DVD or some kind of a physical piece of media that can get misplaced. And then you get a bunch of paper. It's just, we're still in the stone age when it comes to that. And this is something that certainly the cloud was born for. 
I 100% agree. Yeah. I mean, the mundane, the mundane use cases, I think, are really what initially drive a lot of this, uh, especially from an adoption standpoint. Um, so just, I mean, the simple use case of backing up imaging data to some place. Um, you, you look at the storage offerings right now from a, an object storage standpoint and using, you know, a configuration such as an archive store. I mean, you can store gigabytes, terabytes worth of data for, you know, pennies to a dollar. Um, so I, I absolutely think they're popular, maybe still under leveraged, I would say. Um, I think one one of the one of the problems maybe in that domain is um, maybe folks try to do too much at one time, um, and, and this is completely my opinion. Um, but mundane use cases are are really things um, that exist. I mean, I would say the mundane use cases that we're describing right now are things that can be enabled very quickly right now in, in the services that are available. Um, like, I mean, even the sort of work that we've done together, you know, between NetApp, ONTAP, and, and Google Cloud, I mean, being able to just simply back up data to, to the cloud, I mean, it's, it's literally a configuration task at this point. Um, you know, those kind of things are extremely impactful. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say from a TLDR standpoint is maybe customer recommendation is take a phased approach uh, where you can enable use cases one phase at a time instead of a big bang approach. And I think that could absolutely, you know, bring folks and allow them to achieve their, their goals uh, much faster than trying to achieve everything at once uh, is, is the way I would kind of, kind of state it. Yeah, Justin, I'll send you a link that we can post maybe to this infographic we have that talks about the cloud journey in healthcare, especially in enterprise imaging, as it, it's not a linear path. There's all these things, you know, to Jason's point that you can start anywhere. There's just so many ways to get into it. And it's not something that you want to do for the sake of technology or because somebody told you that you have to go to cloud, but there's something that makes sense for the patient care aspect for clinicians to reduce mundane tasks and to uh, increase the, the the ease of sharing data among people who have the right to see it. Uh, so there are many, many benefits. It, a lot of organizations are maybe a little overwhelmed. It's like, oh, you know, it's a big problem. What do you do? If you break it down as usual, right, to manageable chunks, this idea of, of a, a journey that you can start at point A, B, C, D, doesn't really matter. And then you can pick up where you left off later on makes a lot of sense. So we can, we can share that as well. Yeah. Another use case that we haven't really covered is, you know, the, the locality of data, right? So a lot of these doctor's offices may report back to a centralized office where all the data is being stored and they need to access this data, but they don't want to keep it on-prem necessarily, right? So that's that's another place where the cloud fits in because they can access it without having to set up a whole infrastructure to do that. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. Uh, and there, there, I would I would say as there are a couple of different levels and types of access, um, not from like an authorization standpoint. I mean, that's you know 
um, implicitly there, but the types of storage that they want to access, who the actor is, you know, proximity of that information to them. There are a lot of details that, you know, we can go into there. But, uh, you know, Justin, to your point, I would say that there's the location of the data from a sort of data center standpoint, which naturally I think the cloud um, lends itself very well to that because there are usually very strategic points where these data centers exist, where customers can basically just configure, you know, where they want their data to be replicated and when and how. Um, and then there's the, the on-prem cash portion, which, you know, as we mentioned a couple of times exists in the healthcare domain. Um, you know, those different, those different levels of storage um, can all be configured to make sure that the, the information is available to you know every single type of actor within the healthcare domain, whether they be the diagnostic actor like a physician, or to like a principal investigator within you know the research domain. If for instance they want to you know as as Esteban was alluding to earlier, run like a, a large batch workload on a massive amount of imaging data, um, you know these different characteristics of storage can all be configured based on the way in which folks want to. Um, to, to work with it, um, basically. So I, I think there are a tremendous amount of options that we have nowadays. Uh, and I, I would I would absolutely say that they, they fit the majority of the use cases that we've seen within the healthcare domain thus far, especially around enterprise imaging, uh, especially with this hybrid sort of a, a, a nature that we see. Well, and also because of your global footprint, even things like responding to regulations where if you're in the EU the or you know specifically to a country the data can't leave that country or any any sort absolutely. of thing like GDPR. that as well right yep. exactly yeah yep you're absolutely right i mean this this happens all the time with various healthcare providers i mean it's it's almost like a script conversation that we have with them which i'm sure you you do as well um right. where we you know we we kind of uh, determine, okay, well, what are your data data regulations? You know, can they leave the country? Do they have to be in a specific data center? You know, um, the, the visibility of the data from an auditing standpoint, you know, these are all the kind of concerns that we've, you know, had to meet over and over again. And then you go to the specific bodies that you have to make sure that you meet as well, you know, whether it be from a an EU standpoint around GDPR, or, you know, it might be FDA, it might be HIPAA. Um, I mean, if we talk about federal regulations, we can talk about FedRAMP. I mean, I would say another benefit within this domain um, in going with an enterprise level service, um, whether it be one that NetApp offers or one that Google Cloud offers or a combination of the two, our, our businesses have been around the block many, many times um, within this domain to know that these are all things that we have to keep, you know, um, locked tight and make sure that we are abiding by all of these different regulations versus a, you know, build your own type uh, approach. Um, so I would say that that's another one that comes up quite often when we talk to customers. I would imagine another thing that comes up pretty often is, you know, I've, I've decided I want to use cloud. How do I get there? Like, how, how do I move to the cloud? So how is this, how are these EI data sets moving to the cloud these days? Yeah, that that's a really interesting question because that ends up being a deterrent for, for people to get to the cloud. A lot of the 
more standard applications were built not with cloud in mind. So you you need a connector. You need something that allows you to to get the data where it needs to go. Uh, as Jason was referring to before, in the PAX world, the, the application that's close to the clinical providers, the radiologists, those are, uh, it's starting to, to be more uh, mindful of the cloud, that space, but, but by and large, it's not quite yet. VNAs uh, are farther along for sure. So it's important to have that glue, to have the whatever connectors, middleware, whatever you want to call it. And that's certainly where we come in. We make it easy, whether you're a customer that has on top already, and then we can use things like SnapMirror, right? You can go from your on-prem on tap to the cloud, uh, to the cloud instance on the Google Cloud using the same technology that you were using before. So you don't really need the application to quote unquote allow you to do that because you can just get the data there. And if you don't have on tap, you know, you're a poor soul, right? Who doesn't have on tap on prem, then we have SaaS offerings like uh, uh, CloudSync that allow you to go from any source to any target, really. And it's all about simplifying that movement of data. And once the data is up in the cloud, then you can do whatever you need to do with it, whatever you want to do with it. But it's it all goes back to the idea of the data fabric and, and easily and seamlessly moving data no matter where it is. So we don't really have a preference. It doesn't really matter. And I think from both the Netta perspective, and I'm guessing it's the Google perspective as well, we care about the data itself and that the data is useful and is protected and is doing what it's supposed to be doing. And then we build all the tooling around that and all the features to allow that to happen, again, independently of the details. So we, we can abstract a lot of that detail. Yeah, so I 100% agree with uh, the the approach Esteban mentioned. I mean, considering it from a data standpoint, considering it from an application consumption standpoint, I think absolutely one of the areas where you know NetApp and and Google work together and and being able to leverage you know technical capabilities like OnTap, um, that really is a differentiator. You know, being able to move the storage from one place to another and not being forced into an application layer. Um, that, that's really, uh, I, I, would, I would say that that is really a, a wonderful way to be able to move information. Um, when you talk to customers, I would say that you also need to discuss their use cases. Um, because, I mean, customers typically don't jump at the opportunity for purely technical solutions. I think as Esteban was alluding to as well, um, you know, talking to customers about what are their immediate concerns, maybe flavoring in a little bit of futuristic things that might be interesting to them. I think, you know, the one we probably all think about is AI and ML um, or secondary usage of data or, you know, the availability of analytics on their data. You know, being able to have a use case in mind, I think, from, from any sort of a solution architecture standpoint is, is key, right? Um, when you have that use case or those several use cases that are really enablers for, for the customer from um, 
maybe from a technical standpoint, but mainly from a business opportunity standpoint and, and from in this domain, from maybe a patient-centric approach where you can say, okay, well, this is actually improving patient care. Um, when you have those use cases, I, I think that's where you wanna be. Um, once you have those use cases, then breaking down into the sort of technical solution and how we can enable this, you know, let's say if we just want to be able to replicate data, you have an existing ONTAP, you know, installation, cool, you're, you're able to replicate it to Google Cloud, just, you know, just like that. I, I don't know if anybody heard that, but I snapped my fingers. <laughs> So, you know, being able, being able to, you know, enable use cases via technical solutions um, is, is really where I would position, you know, the PACs and VNA conversations as well. Um, and then you'll naturally see that there are many different variations of, of services within, you know, a combination of Google Cloud and NetApp that can support the needs for these customers, whether it be purely, you know, a a storage play, whether it be a you know machine learning play, uh, machine learning and analytics play, um, you know there are many many different variations. But I would say to to start there, and um, the solution will follow. Yeah, and it's interesting to start with a pain point such as how to protect your data against ransomware. That's something that every everybody involved in this conversation will be really concerned with, whether it's a radiology administrator whether it's a CIO or CMIO, of course, the CISOs, everybody. This is a really huge problem. And it's been a huge problem and it will continue to be for the foreseeable future. So you take that, you start with a pain point that's very real, something like that. And then maybe you add on something like, well, we want to reduce your uh, our, our footprint uh, on-prem. A common refrain in the healthcare industry that I hear from customers all the time is, we want to get out of the data center business. It's not our core competency, especially when you're st you start adding additional data centers for disaster recovery, for business continuance. So there's a big pain point. There's a further pain point or an interest in getting out of the data center business. And then this uh, maybe less pressing, but still interesting idea of that secondary use of data to, to extract more clinical value from that data and improve patient care and help clinicians, all of that can be combined by putting this data in the cloud. So that's a very interesting way to frame a conversation because we know that essentially every health organization in the world is going to have these concerns. So you don't have to sit down and ask them what they're worried about. We already know, and it's much better. It's certainly have talked to enough uh, healthcare CIOs who say the same thing. When we work with a partner, we don't want to start from scratch. We don't want to have them ask what your problems are. And so we have to explain it. We expect them to know already. And so this is a way to show that you know that these are problems that exist. And not only are you aware of what problems exist, we have a solution and better yet, we have a solution that combines all of these together. So it's, it's a pretty winning proposition. So one of the advantages of cloud is that it offers the ability for someone else to manage storage and to set things up. And again, the platform is a service concept. I, I know that healthcare providers are getting more and more interested in AI and ML in their environments. 
but they might not have the expertise or the desire to pay for the expertise to set up those particular use cases, right? So, you know, set up their own ML learning form. Does Google offer like an AI or ML as a service offering? Yeah, so Justin, absolutely Google does. Um, I, I think when customers come to Google, I would I would venture to guess that a lot of them come to Google because they've heard about Google in the AI ML space. Um, so naturally within the medical imaging domain um, in Google Cloud, we have a whole gamut of different capabilities to offer. Um, so the, the suite, we, um, you know, the, the product name is Vertex AI within Google Cloud. Um, and I can tell you that my job, probably 40% of it is interfacing with customers who are interested in AI in this domain. Uh, and the tools that we offer uh, will satisfy the needs of everything from the researcher who wants to create their own PyTorch or TensorFlow, um, you know, machine learning, um, you know, sort of uh, training uh, approach to those who really don't know very much about AI ML at all and may just have a set of images from like a CT study and want to see what they can get a machine to learn to automatically detect something. Uh, and that would, that's what we refer to as auto ML. Um, so yeah, my, my suggestion is absolutely to look at the feature set within Vertex AI from a machine learning standpoint, um, because this is absolutely something where we're seeing on the Google Cloud side, a lot of attraction from customers from every single different you know, perspective. Uh, and, and attraction uh, to using that for their medical imaging workflows, especially when it pertains to uh, uh, ML. Um, so yeah, thanks for the question. Yeah, and it's also good because they can invest in trying it out without having to invest in buying all the stuff, right? And if they like it, you know, maybe absolutely, they, maybe, yeah, yep. you know, and if they like yeah, it, maybe know, they can invest in it later on and create their own environments. But for for Google Cloud, I mean, they they have the expertise there to to work with. It. It's a very, very good point. Um, we do have customers who come to us and I really quite honestly don't even know to ask the right questions. Um, you, have your, you have your type of customer who comes with a use case in mind and they say, hey, you know, it would be really awesome if we could automatically detect so-and-so or that we could automatically you know, um, achieve this workflow based on this kind of data. That, that would be one group of customers who come to you where you may even want to engage professional services where, you know, naturally Google has professional services who can build models for customers as well if they really are, are absolutely hands off when it comes to that. Um, but if they are somewhat hands on and are interested in learning, starting with an auto ML is very easy to do. You just plug data in, allow auto ML to do its thing, and bam, you have a result. Um, you have your inference. Um, and then as you get more and more into the platform, maybe you hire a data science team or some specific individuals who have a data science background. They themselves can implement their own machine learning algorithms within Vertex AI and create pipelines uh, where they basically are replacing the auto ML with their own uh, feature yielding uh, algorithms. And there you have it. You have some very specific AI ML workflow that your team has created. And yes, all of those capabilities are available within Vertex AI. Nicely integrated, I can say, 
with Healthcare API and BigQuery. Um, so Healthcare API on the side of NetApp would be the ingestion pipeline for your imaging data. So it all fits really nicely together. All right, excellent. Sounds like we got a lot to think about uh, for Google Cloud as well as NetApp's engagement with this space, like the, the enterprise imaging space. So uh, again, Esteban, if we wanted to reach you, how did we do that? I'm at Esteban.Rubens, R-U-B-E-N-S at NetApp.com or LinkedIn, Esteban Rubens. All right, excellent. And Jason? Yeah, so Jason Klotzer, the first initial of my first name, Klotzer, my last name, at Google.com or LinkedIn. All right, excellent. Thanks so much for joining us and talking to us all about Google Cloud and Enterprise Imaging. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Jason Klotzer of Google and Esteban Rubens of NetApp for joining us. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.